for me, the, it's quality control for my company, but also I have to keep what I thought about specialty coffee back in the days. Keep this philosophy, keep this philosophy alive, and we just need to reinvent specialty coffee. Transcend. Welcome to or welcome back to Coffee with April. My name is Patrick Rolf, and this is a conversation with some amazing professionals and entrepreneurs in the coffee industry. Sharing their perspective and experience, it's about integrity, quality, and the future. For this episode, we sat down with Antoine, founder of Coutume, a coffee roastery with coffee shops in Paris. I'm going to go out of a limb here and say that this is one of the most important episodes that we've done so far, discussing the need to redefine what specialty coffee is. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy this just as much as we did recording it. We're just going to jump straight into this now. Um, because when, yeah. when, whenever, whenever we do a podcast, what happens is that we, we ending up having really Talk. long, interesting conversations <laughs> that we don't record. Yes. And then it's like, ah, we also okay. need to record this now. Uh, uh, so you have to repeat the full conversation <laughs> that you had before. Exactly. That's basically what we're doing. So we not one has been sitting here talking for, for yeah. quite some time, drinking <laughs> beer, and, and we talk about all these amazing stuff. And it, it's, it's so interesting, so I forgot to record it. So we're going to basically, we're going to just jump. We jump, let's jump the straight into what we're talking about. Right, right now we're talking about Japan. No, mm-hmm. We're sitting yep. in the Finnish Institute uh, underneath one of the, the, I mean, the most beautiful coffee shop in Paris. So it's a nice coffee shop uh, with some Nordic. It's a beautiful coffee shop. You say that because it, there is some Nordic influence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no. Yes. Everything that is Nordic is, is yes, very beautiful. beautiful of yeah. course. Yeah. And we're, 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 we're sitting, uh, yeah, Tampa Tantrum was here. Yes, was that what uh, it was? We, we did. I uh, actually did a presentation here. Uh, yes, you did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it yeah, wasn't yeah, so good. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, you remember that? And I was like yeah, 40 remember. minutes over time. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice space that uh, they and they allowed us to do whatever we want. Yeah. So we did a presentation on the coffee from Indonesia, uh, Mokhtar from Yemen, mm. from Willem uh, uh, Boots came over also. Oh wow. Uh, Tracy Allen did a nice talk with uh, Tracy farmers different farmers group. We do, um, after the Berlin Championship, a special event with uh, uh, farmers from Congo, oh, wow. from uh, North and South Kivu. That's going to be fun. That's amazing. It's, yes. it's actually, it's really funny with you because whenever, whenever your name com- comes up, I remember that this was, uh, this was uh, some years ago, but it was like, yeah, yeah, I mean, we, I think everyone started, they wanted to go to like Rwanda or Congo on like an Norwegian trip and then, uh, you know, civil war more or less, and like no one wants to go there. And then it's like, where's Antoine? I'm in Congo, right? <laughs> and you're like, yes. When no one else goes, you're like, I'm gonna go to Congo, right? It's been a lot of I. <laughs> it's a lot of Congo coffee, a lot of Yemen coffee as well. Yes, uh, Yemen. Uh, I still dream to go over there. I was um, really close to go there. I think four years ago, but yeah, the war was starting and start to be really really intense. Yeah, I wanted to go with Mokhtar, and it's it's one of the most. Uh, oldest varieties and it's the culture, the architecture of the cities are just magical. Sure. Same, same with these coffees, like um, the, the one from Congo, they are really, really different from Rwanda, 
and from uh, Burundi that we see now on the market. Um, Burundi was really surprised by the so many terroir, hills by hills, even if they were close from each other, how you could pass from a cup with very light tea-like soft to tropical, crazy tropical, just a few kilometers away. Yeah. And Congo, it's different. It's elegant, clean. It's, you have some, the structure is so, so interesting. Uh, and it's interesting to work with some people who are highly passionate. Sure. You see in Congo, they, they, are, they have some energy. They really want to get inside of specialty coffee, get out the ex-colonial ideas and trades that they are stuck into. And so, and it could produce a massive amount of coffee. What have, what have kept Congo from becoming what, like what, why is Rwanda and Burundi more developed in terms of coffee trade than Congo? I mean, what, is, what has been kind of holding Congo back the last years? Um, I think it's more the infrastructures over there, the millings, the mill and the different companies who are quite controlling the market. And they've been always exporting the same thing. Even the importers were not that interested by Congo's coffee. Okay. They, they were buying more the classical Kivu four table, the good stuff, stuff. the good stuff. I even met uh, farmers in in Congo who were telling me, uh, "Yeah, I used to have uh, like a hundred hectares of uh, beautiful coffee, and it was all plantation. But I pulled that out uh, just to make weed for my kettle." So I said, are you kidding? You know you could make some money, with, uh, you could live with some coffee. Sales, sure. And he said, no, 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 it's worth nothing. Because the buyers are, are just on the minimum of the minimum and the minimum. And export large quantity outside for blends and poor quality coffees. But when you meet uh, some farmers on the ground, they are so passionate, like I met Marceline. Marceline is, uh, have a new cooperative called Rebuild uh, Women's Hope. She's been now a little bit on the news. And uh, when you met her, she's solar. The, she, they bought uh, Penagos with some help, with some uh, NGO over there. And the machine is clean. And everything is over clean. They, they clean, they demantle the machine, they reassemble the machine at every, every um, uh, sorting and every processing. And, it's, and you, you see this massive desire to have information. Most of the time, worldwide, you find the same patterns. Like people being just put in the ignorance, just to, yeah, yeah no, it's not good, it's not a good coffee. Mm -hmm. And then, then the importers will sort themselves out and say, this is a grade one <laughs> from Ethiopia. But uh, the farmers don't know that it's a grade one from yeah, Ethiopia. Sure, sure. So just the buyers say, yeah, yeah, that's, um, well, it's 80, 80 something. <laughs> It's specialty coffee, and, and everywhere, like in Peru, for example, you have all this young generation. I think it's many new youth also who want to get out of the old pattern. Uh, in Peru, they were all organics, pushed to go organics, pushed to go fair trade, uh, but they realized that they were not making that much money, and they were still in the same, same level of poverty and small development, but almost nothing. And suddenly, so you have all these youth who go on Instagram, uh, watch you, listen your podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> different things, oh, no. and discover <laughs> there is uh, there is another world over there, and that uh, and they, they want some information, but they have a lack of even simple information. 
mm. like uh, I met a, a young farmer in Peru, and the guy was coming over and saying, oh, I, you have to taste my coffee. It was one o'clock in, in this restaurant, this small bar restaurant. You have to taste my coffee because I really don't know. I do everything perfectly. I do sorting, floaters, uh, but it tastes like uh, something weird. I don't know why. So I kept his coffee. His coffee tasted like uh, goat cheese. Oh, nice. And I oh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I see what you mean. Uh, goat cheese, yeah, fermentation issues over there. Uh, could you show me your infrastructure? And so he showed me, yeah. He said, do you clean everything? Yeah, yeah, I clean the tanks. Do you clean your tipple mm, Why? <laughs> why? Because there is some water passing through. And I said, ooh, that might be the issue. Let's watch the tipple and the depulper had massive amount of uh, mold and different things. And oh, said, amazing. Okay, I think if you clean that up, that sh should, should be okay after. So um, you, you see this same energy with the young generation who want to aim to the specialty coffee. But they need commitments. Mm. That's the hardest part. You need uh, buyers who are ready to commit and not just one shot for the next year and the next year because they are putting some effort they are spending more money to produce these higher quality coffees that you need and that so, you want and i mean in, in good and bad as well i mean it's it's i'm going to just give you guys a, a quick recap here because we're, we're jumping straight into this conversation and just to give you some some um, um background to this so kutum rose tree coffee shop paris i assume everyone knows this they should know this if you're in this industry you should already know this um, some of the best coffee in France, for sure. Um, really tasty. Thank you. you guys have been around for a long time as well. Oh, eight years. But we're eight years. Yeah, eight years you're still pretty young now in comparison we, to, to some We are them, pretty no? young, but uh, for the French uh, specialty coffee movement, we are mm. considered already like uh, the old, old ones. Yeah, yeah sure, sure, sure. We are the pioneer. Because um, there's, there's so many new things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Was, uh, at the beginning, yeah, the first year was... Uh, like a UFO came came inside of Paris, came over. We were compared like that, like you're, you're a UFO. Everybody was coming over to see us, even all the major companies of big brands, big coffee brands. Um, we went to a district which wasn't the, the most uh, coolest, let's say. <laughs> but at the, at the time, that was not that expensive on the brands. Mm. Business-wise, it was making sense. And we are producing over there with the 12 kg probat. I, I remember page. that. I visited that store. That yes, was right in the back. At the back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was working sure. late at night. Yeah. Uh, for, for, was intense. In one year without the holidays, zero. Mm. <laughs> and uh, serving some coffee during the day, hosting at night. And we, we were pretty lucky to have a kind of people passing through and, and, and passionate about coffee. Olivier Strand came over and mm. made an article uh, about us on the New York Times. We had the Financial Times after that and lots of press, which was good. Yeah. And so, the, of course, it's always the same in the new kind of new market like that. Um, it's foreigners first and then your locals. <laughs> but do, we do, still do you have the locals now? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, and, and is, that, is that possible? Because I've been, I've been running around in Paris for, for many years, but this week now for a few days. And, and that seems to be something that is on a lot of people's mind. Mm -hmm. that they're able to get the tourists, but they're not able to get the locals. You, you have to aim for the, for the locals, I think. It's always better. The tourists are passing by. But your locals, we've got some locals since eight years, come every day 
once or twice a day to, to have their coffee, to have their ritual. It's, it's been acquired. I spoke with a customer recently, and he said, oh, you changed my life. And I, I think he came a little bit later, like two years or three years after. And he said, oh, now it's terrible because I can't drink any coffee anywhere. So, <laughs> so, he, so he start now to produce to brew his coffee at home when we're closed, when there is some holidays and different things, but his team commit to come all the time. I think uh, here tourists, you will have tourists uh, going on uh, Spurge, uh, checking where you could find some good coffees or different applications, uh, but you, you have to really nail your locals mm. also. Mm. The, the contact, it's uh, customer service also. We forgot this part. It's not just about uh, putting your head behind the machine, it's putting your head above the machine and smile. So, <laughs> I mean, we, we, I think we can all learn a lot from that, right? Yes, um. <laughs> well, But in Australia, that's, uh, that was a good, uh, good school in Melbourne. Because mm. mm. in Melbourne, if you didn't have the smile, but even the, if the coffee was perfect, uh, people will never come back. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go back to that Australia because I didn't. I didn't know what, what's Australia for you. Like when? How did you end up there? I was. Uh, it was 15 years ago already. Wow. Yeah, I was a heavy right coffee, in the beginning, heavy it? French coffee drinker. <laughs> so since I was a kid, my father was drinking like bowls of coffee. That's one thing I still love with the French um, coffee world. It's we love black coffee. Mm. We, we are not really milky cappuccino and things. So it's mainly espresso and filter. Well, your bowl of filter in the morning and then your espresso all day. Mm. And so, so I thought I knew everything about coffee. Like all the French think <laughs> they know all, of, all about food. So I was quite um, a wine lover, food lover. Mm. And I arrived in Melbourne from a shooting. So I was working as a filmmaker. Ah. I was uh, doing documentaries back oh, in yeah? the days. Mm -hmm. I worked in production in cinema during maybe nine years. Wow. Yeah, in Paris, long theatre, short, and different things. So I arrived in, 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 um, in Australia. I wanted to, to get out. I was in Sydney first, and then Melbourne. And Melbourne, I had a blast. I really, really like boom, Epiphany. Mm. Like a friend, uh, he became a friend, and uh, an Australian. Barista make me Italian barista. Like in the days, they were not specialty coffee. It was just starting in Campos a little bit, and then he arrived with Santali uh, with Mark Donan, mm -hmm. mm. like in the days, and 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 explode <laughs> totally. And so he, he make me sh five shots from the same coffee with different uh, profile, and it was it was uh, it just changed my world. Like I, I felt that everything been said in France since all these years was a lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did, did that make you yes, really yeah. angry? Did yeah. that piss you off? Oh or? yeah, no, I was shocked. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and you, I thought I knew what was coffee. I said, no, coffee is delicious. It's not bitter. It's not uh, these uh, Italian brands and things like that. And I was like, wow, but this is coffee, and it could be fruity, it could be more acidic. This, and I said, it's great. I want to <laughs> to go there. I spoke uh, with. Uh, this, uh, this barista, and he said, oh, he, I told him about the French culture, and he was shocked also. He said, okay, you should stay here. <laughs> I said, yes, I think I'm going to stay here. and learned everything about coffee. Wow. Yeah. And it was a great time, because specialty coffee was uh, um, 
on just in the beginnings in, uh, in Australia, especially in Melbourne. I was getting really excited, so everybody wanted to do the highest quality as possible, uh, have the best beans, bring some farmers, have some talks, understand more about the extraction, temping, crazy temping. So still, still now, still, I remember since 15 years, so many techniques came over, like uh, the, the old techniques, which was you temp one third and then you temp two thirds, weird stuff like that. Um, so it's been really exciting where I met uh, my friend uh, Justin Miles, mm. that you, you know, yeah, back sure, in the days. Sure. So he was doing a lot of experiments. Toshi yeah. was the first one to bring Ario in, in Australia. So V60, we start to say, wow, what's this Japanese stuff? And <laughs> <laughs> V60, and, and then um, yeah, Siphon and all the, all the Ario products. There was a time before the V60. I think a lot of people have a yes. hard time imagining that, but that's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and we discovered the V60. I, I was the first Ario importer also. Oh, wow. And yeah, in, in France. Yeah. I imported the first V60, mm. the first, uh, I was doing Siphon in Coutume when we started. Good siphon. Mm. You could make <laughs> yeah. some, but it's can can you make a good siphon? <laughs> you could make That's a an good siphon. Side note, no. You could make some good siphon, but you need some uh, skills. Didn't some, uh, the the, the girl um, the girl from Malaysia play six in the world with the siphon in yeah. World Brewers, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's risky. That's, 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 that's very. That's very. The <laughs> only other time I've seen someone compete with a siphon was in uh, in Melbourne Brewers World Brewers, F uh, the girl from Finland. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. And, uh, <laughs> she did a win, but <laughs> I think you could do one. But it's yeah, it's um, you, you know that there is a very strong French history history in the siphon. Ah, I yes. Know. It's been uh, it's been contest between the Belgium, Belgium and France. It's been okay. uh, 1834, I think. Yeah. And the one that you see, uh, the the one that Ario used the most, it's oh. modeled from the 20s, 1920. It was called British style. And it was developed by um, a French company back in the days. Okay. And uh, so, in in the most luxurious hotels and tables, at the end of the meal, you were coming with your siphon, you the siphon and on you the were table. doing the siphon on the table, wow. and you were serving, pouring at the table. That's and amazing. all the five-star hotels in France were using siphon. They were making. What, what happened? Siphon. Why did they stop? Uh, it was really expensive, yeah. uh, very, very expensive uh, tools. And uh, back in the days was the burner, you know, the alcohol burners. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the alcohol burners will, will get tipped mm. and, poof, and you flame, you flame the customer with it. <laughs> you don't want to flame the customer with the burner. It was really, <laughs> really impressive, like magic tricks. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, wow. I'm making your coffee. So they, they stop it, it became, um, and then the espresso will start uh, to take more and more. Mm. And uh, the Italians were um, distributing heavily in France, of course. There was always a, a love story between Italy and France sure. on the construction of the espresso machine because of the patents. So sometimes the patents were, um, so, so an invention were made in Italy, but another company wanted to do exactly the same, so they will construct in France. That's oh wow. And uh, they will do crossover <laughs> some equipment who don't have any hard uh, fight or regulation like that yeah. inside of the country. Um, so it's espresso start uh, to be more practical, quicker. But we never, had, instead of the, the Italians who know, even with sometimes some really, really low quality coffees, uh, to pull a good shot, 
out mm. of that. That's really always magic. Sure. Uh, in France, we know nothing about the machine. We have no ideas about the extraction. It's changing, of course, sure. since years and years. And si since the last two years, it's been accelerating. It's been amazing. Well, in Paris alone, it's been, it's been you know, incredible, the development of coffee shops and roasteries. But mm -hmm. uh, before we forget and before we jump uh, too, too much ahead here, back to Australia. You come to Australia as a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. But do you start working with coffee then, right? You start working with coffee in Australia, or yeah, are you quickly. a hobby guy? Okay. Really, really how quickly. do you? I work how did that diff happen? Different roastery, uh, uh, but first with the meetings. Yeah. So I worked with the uh, the first one was a kind of Polish, uh, Jewish Polish roastery. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, uh, I think uh, I could speak like an old man. Back in the days, <laughs> there were no uh, hipster. We had the trendy. Oh, thank God for that. We, we had the trendy latte drinkers. Mm. So I could I could tell you a little bit more about the flat whites. <laughs> speaking about <laughs> Go that, because the, there is a lot of legend about the flat whites and how it's been developed. I did a lot of flat white while I was in in Australia, because I passed in the cafe also during months. I wanted to know how to be behind the machine and make some coffee. So, so flat white existed 15 years ago. Oh yeah, and flat white was a pure. Reaction, little bit redneck, Bogans, <laughs> Bogans reaction, because uh -huh. they were the trend of the latte with this foamy and the latte art start in, um, and they were crossover between San Francisco and Melbourne. People were speaking a lot, and so the redneck and a little bit more Bogans Australians were saying, "No fluff in my coffees. Pull out this shit. I want my my coffee flat." And it's how it happens. So we had to take the picture and retain the the foam when you are making a flat white all the time. But the New Zealanders didn't like it so much. And also the cafe owners, because you were wasting a lot of foam sure. and some milk. So they developed a new twist on the flat white, which was just put a little bit of foam. Like that, we could do some latte art. Because it, before, it looked like crap, like poor milk drink, yeah. <laughs> to be served. So the flat white, modern, the modern flat white was developed there. Yeah was the New Zealander twist. And then the New Zealander decided to not do any letter art anymore, later on, years after. I they were back in the shop. Oh, wow. Yeah, they, they were saying that it's not considering that it's a good drink, so let's forget about letter art. Well, it's all about yeah. the taste, eh? Yeah? I, I, I can yeah, respect that. Some, some history. But to think that, yeah, flat white was a Bogans <laughs> drink, and it became uh, one of the most popular worldwide. I mean, today is the, yes. you know, that's the most sold drink in the world, almost. Mm -hmm. right? oh. Yes, uh, in France, it's still, uh, it's still espresso. Okay, which is good. Very cool. Yeah, that, that makes you work your skills on espresso. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot. No, big time. Yeah. And the obsession about uh, your espresso, because a lot of countries like uh, UK, for example, when they do 96% of milk drinks, you could see it's coming back to big blends, a little bit darker roast, and do some nice latte art for the contrast. I think there's a very clear trend, right? I mean, what, what we're doing right. is, in, in a way, we're going, it's always cycles, right? So mm -hmm. you go, you know, you go super light, and then it's like, okay, we've done that, we peaked on that, we're gonna go back, and we're gonna make it darker, right? And we're definitely in a phase now where, where especially on the espresso, maybe not so much on the filter coffee, but on mm -hmm. the espresso, we're, we're phasing out the light roast, and we go back to the blends, right? Yeah. Um, but Australia, you started work, mm -hmm. <laughs> learned how to do a flat white. Um, <laughs> How, lo how long are you in Australia? Uh, I was I was going to stay a few months and I stayed five years. 
Five years. Five years in Australia. So, uh, but straight away, I was excited by, because for me, it gave me so much opportunity also to travel, mm. to meet the farmers. So uh, my first farmers that I met in Australia was in, in Thailand, in the north of Thailand, in the Golden Triangle over there. Amazing. They were opium, uh, <laughs> opium <laughs> co <laughs> who passed by, uh, yep. by coffee after. No, but I'm not kidding, it was a kind of, um, um, the queen was pushing the cultivation of coffee mm. instead of opium. Okay. They were in And the guys were telling me, uh, before we used to do the best opium in the world, now we are <laughs> going to do the best coffee. Say, okay, yeah, that's a nice transition. It's a good idea. It's so farming, <laughs> no? I mean, sure. Yes. And it's what I like, uh, Stredo, it's um, this world language. Mm. Wherever you go, you could speak coffee. You could speak uh, with a farmer in, in Ethiopia, or in Colombia, or Brazil, or whatever you, you, you want to, to meet and discover. And, and suddenly you speak coffee. You could mm. speak coffee with the cafe, cafe owners, roastery, with so much possibilities in, in the coffee world. Yeah, for sure. And you could create also. That's the beauty of creating coffee shops. You could design, you could go really on details, you could have uh, really an artistic way of thinking at the same time that uh, you need a business <laughs> way of thinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you, when did you decide, did, did you always know you would start a company? Was that always, I'm going to, I'm in Australia now, I'm going to start my own company, I'm just going to hang out here and learn as much as I can? or? When, when, when was that process and how did you, why did you not start a company in Australia? Or did you? I d no, I had the, the possibility to start in my own day. Maybe mm. I will be much more richer than now. <laughs> but <laughs> Probably, uh, yeah, yes, sure. I had the possibility with my ex-boss uh, back in the days who proposed me and said, if, if you want, we could, and the banks in Australia are so nice. Mm. Compared to the French <laughs> banks, they say, How much do you want? Okay. <laughs> so you can get some loans. Yeah, you're pretty good. And, you know, so we could loan you some, some money. But uh, no, I always, because of this fake truth that I've been um, carrying all these years and drinking all this bad coffee. I felt that uh, I had to come back. And, you wanted to and go make, back and show them? Yeah, and show them. Yeah. And show, my, my idea was always to have many the grocery and focus on the restaurant and, and, and but in the same time have a cafe yeah. for the cafe owners to come over and for the restaurant owners and make them taste the shot and say, okay, taste this coffee. Yeah. Wow, what was that? And provoke some reaction, which we did. I was, uh, I had like very various reaction from, from the start. Uh, sometimes like, wow, this is the most uh, amazing coffee I've ever drunk in my life. Uh, can I work here? We even had proposition of uh, people working with us. And, and after that, you ask, oh, this is really weird. I don't understand what's going on there. It's too strong. And so we had to do a lot of education, which mm. was really interesting when you see the people clicking. And it, yeah, it changed because they were drinking like vinegar all this time. And so then they <laughs> discovered the taste of wine. <laughs> I said, oh yeah, no, wine is good, it, it doesn't burn mm. you're, you're, when you drink it, it's sweet, and, it's, and you have different possibilities also. That's it, that's it. So, yeah, so sure. I, no, no, I, I wanted to take the maximum of information mm. from, uh, from my different experience in Australia, also in the coffee co producing countries. Mm. Always been in my mind also that uh, I will uh, 
try to buy. It's difficult when you start your business to buy direct. Also, that's the hardest. And then uh, to to know who to trust. Also, to be transparent enough. Sure. Are they really defending the interest of the farmers? Yeah, the cup is great. I remember an old, um, like almost colonial uh, importers who are uh, having beautiful coffee from Tanzania, beautiful from Kenya. And the guy's been banned now from different countries. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so the yeah. coffee, and you taste it, and say, wow, this, this is great. This is well, 88 points. Uh, this, this is amazing. How do you bet? How cheap it is? How, how is it possible? You see, it's five euros. And say, no, it's, uh, something is wrong there. <laughs> something is not possible. To have this quality Kenyans, this quality Tanzanian for such a low price. And I think the market needs to realize it. Mm. It's not good. It's not um, positively healthy also for your relation. That's what uh, we, we've been born also in, in Australia in this kind of, uh, because it was starting this mythology and I think you need to keep surviving to this new change on the market, but we need more transparency. Uh, we need more good exchange and we need to see the farmers getting wealthier <laughs> and even more wealthy, wealthier and wealthier. Like uh, 15 years ago, the price from 15 years ago and now, specialty coffee, still very close from each other. Yeah. And it still uh, amazes me. So, uh, nobody's reacting. And the buyers say, oh, this is cheap and it's really good. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, there is reason. It's because they, they've been totally exploited. And yeah, I mean, the, the, there's, I think there's two, two things here that I never understood. And I'm mm. still, I mean, I'm, Especially in com comparison to you, I'm 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 a complete rookie here, right? I'm I'm, I'm a young guy who's trying to figure out how to understand this kind of industry, and I'm starting to understand it as a, as a roastery, as in roasting coffee. But the more I look into green coffee, the more the more I'm I'm getting amazed over how little I understand, mm. and over how complex the situation is. And there's two things there that amazes me, and it's one, first of all, it's the relationship between farmer exporter. Yes. which is, is greatly misunderstood, right? Whereas in a lot of cases, the exporters is, and excuse my language here, but fucking up the farmer mm. quite often, right? Traders also. Yes, exactly. Traders. And from the importer's perspective as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, plus as well as when you say that the price hasn't changed for the last 15 years, which is, is more or less true, right? Yeah, and it's, really it's interesting because the pitch has intensified, right? So mm. if you start a roastery today, the, the first thing you're going to have on your website it's transparency. It's yeah. I'm better than the big guys because I'm paying more. Yeah. I'm paying not just more. I'm paying a fair price, right? Yes. We're paying what the farmers needs, right? Mm -hmm. Which is not true. Then because the the relation on the ground is still the same post-colonial or um, yes, oh this uh, in both ways. Like uh, either way, the the pathos, the pathetic, uh, oh this poor. Uh, these poor Ethiopians running everywhere. I need to give them a little bit of cash, and I will make. That's really terrible. You shouldn't think in this way, or the other way. I'm going to, yeah, make a business and make a good deal. And so you have two visions, which has totally wrong, like a better deal for the third world co countries. Mm. Uh, you should just respect the the farmers, like you respect, for example, a winemaker. Mm. Uh, you you respect which which uh, work is putting into building this beautiful coffee for you, how much money is spending also, cost of production, uh, cost of living, 
because that's very different from one country to another one. Oh yeah, sure. Taxes, taxes in in, uh, in Ethiopia, which are really high also. And uh, could you help him to get out and be more direct in your relation? Is the person in between, if you have one person in between, fair with, with this guy? Is he going to, the maximum of the profits are going to the farmer and not by the middleman? Or the traders or the importers, etc. So the, you could have beautiful pictures and, and a guy smiling and 90, 90 cup coffee. <laughs> but uh, what's, what's happening back to, to the farmer? What's going on? Mm. Okay. And most of the time, the farmers will feel uh, like um, really in insecure position because you could pay a little bit more than the other guys, but in the same time, he doesn't want to to express himself too much because he is afraid that he will lose this market and he would like to come in specialty coffee. You have to know that he's having a good uh, person representing him, which is not a lot <laughs> the case most of the time. And the things we start to see in this market, which is really exciting, it's also farmers mm. start to do their exports or farmers who defend the, the interest of the other farmers not try to screw them you know, all the time, making some money on their back, uh, trying to uh, send some information, how to build up a better coffee, how to market yourself, how to, to do different uh, fermentation experiments mm. with not too, too much fermentation, yeah, and et cetera, I mean et cetera. What, what, and, a, and a very good friend of mine, mm -hmm. he, he said this, we had this discussion as well, because again, I, I'm trying to, mm. I'm tr trying to figure out what sustainable green coffee trading is from a roastery perspective. Right? Yes. The only thing I know is that April is not doing that at the mm. moment, right? Because we don't understand it properly. Mm. Then a good friend of mine said something really interesting, and it, it sounds like that's along the lines of uh, what you're saying, and about especially when when farmers now are starting to export as well, right? Mm. And he said we need to start looking at the farmer not just as a farmer, but as an entrepreneur. Yeah, right. Artisan, and that's when it gets interesting, right? Yeah, an artisan, like a domain, like a winemaker, wine mm. domain, and so you meet, uh, like for example, um, we were in Brazil together. We start to speak about uh, Joao Milton coffees that I buy since since years and years, yeah. and um, and I, so I, I put in place, which Felipe is really <laughs> is working on it right now, some new uh, questions yeah. we have, prac farmers practice transparency report to do, to continue. And so I, I just want to know for this year on the Bourbon lot, how much he produced, how much he produced from last year, how much he cost to him, and talk about sort of on the cup, how much you put an initiative. For example, an 84 points, let's say, I don't know, actually 84 points, or 86 or 87 coffee that you've been buying with a farmer. If the next year, it's a bit more expensive because he produced less, because he had different disasters and different things. It's normal. You should accept yeah. that. You should have a frank and honest uh, talk about it. And if it's a rare, like uh, SL28 planted in another country than Kenya, <laughs> for example, and if it's a rare one and it doesn't have much and it's, uh, the cup is splendid, and yeah, the price will, will go high and higher as much as he wants. Because mm, he mm. said, yeah, I just have 20 kg of that, so if you want it, yeah, it's my baby, so pay, pay the price. It should be just normal. I don't understand why we, we are looking for other vision. You should just have a respectful 
relation with the farmers. And, and ask them also, uh, did they treat your coffee? That's one of the big issues right now also with the glyphosate and effect that we know about the different pesticides and Kenya, for example. <laughs> which is I mean heavily, um, heavily used of it's chemicals. It's a mystery that we buy Kenyan coffee, right? I still don't understand. I can't it's buy it. It is amazing, but years. I mean, the reality of the, the, mm -hmm. the, the farming process is that it, it goes against most of the things that <laughs> this industry stands for, right? Yeah, and you drink it. <laughs> ah, I, and we drink, drink it. I mean, sure, sure, sure. I mean, people would buy... Uh, glyphosate. Yeah, sure. You, I mean, that wouldn't have wine. That wouldn't have you drink it, you refuse that in your wine or your food, and you will drink it um, in your coffee. So yeah, I'm going in uh, February to look more for um, organic farmers to work with. And I haven't yeah, bought yeah. any Kenyans since uh, a few years because of that. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. I mean, yeah. it's a, I, I had this idea. It's, it's not a new idea. Uh, it's not a very cool idea. It's just an idea. I think that when we started, or not we, but whoever started especially coffee, when that happened, the biggest fuck up we did was that we decided that specialty coffee is about the quality of the cup. Right. Only. So we wrote God in a Cup, which was a great book, by the way. I'm not going to yes. give it a shit for the book. Uh, <laughs> that was a, a big inspiration for me getting started. But the issue here, and that's also why we drink, we drink Kenyan coffee, because the coffee tastes amazing. Right? Mm. But we forget about the farming practice. Right? Mm. And we don't see it for what it actually is, because we're so interwined and focused on what's happening there. Right? And then we have, for example, Felipe Faf Brazil. Mm -hmm does an absolutely amazing job with his coffees. Yes. Is one of the, it's, it's, it's so much in the forefront of organic farming as well. Yes. Um, but, but people are not paying as much attention or buying as much coffee as they should of that because some of it doesn't taste like a Kenyan coffee. These days, some yes. of it actually does taste like a Kenyan coffee. <laughs> yes. uh, but like, I mean, historically, that's, that's a part of it. You, right? you have some great uh, farmers in Brazil and they need to be uh, seen as a Kenyan farmer in mm. some way. And you have some coffee who are really, really exciting and beautiful and acidity and Sonny and Clayton's and uh, Joa yeah. Milton. And you have yeah. superstar farmers already <laughs> uh, bringing some really, really high quality. Yeah. And you should pay the same, same way. Then. Uh, for the consumer in the back, they should value the same way. It's what we, it took a few years, for example, from special micro lot. Uh, we, and I think um, roasters are doing the same, like, uh, Five elephants and others, and succeed to put Brazilian coffee on a higher price. And we succeed to put a special microlot from Clayton, uh, higher price than our Ethiopian mm. coffees. So I was really happy. It took years before the consumer could accept it and say, Oh, oh this sure. is from uh, Brazil. Yeah, but taste it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see how it's exciting and interesting. Yeah, I mean, and this year we had the, the World Brewers champion winner. Yes. With the Brazilian cup, you know, and the kicked, uh, kicked how many geishas? Oh, so many, no, <laughs> Inclu <laughs> including my own. No? I mean, it's it's, uh, uh, it's amazing. No? Things things are changing, right? Yes. Um, however, when we look at it, it's it's also interesting because because what I see mainly from a green coffee perspective, the issue is not the micro lots, right? The micro lots yeah. everyone sells. The micro lots everyone gets paid for the Quick. way they want to get paid for. Mm. The issue is what's happening underneath there, right? Yes. Um. The, uh, the survey has been made on specialty coffee, the, the good things. It's because you change also your quality protocols inside of your process and your farming and when you improve, uh, the volume gets higher quality. 
and you could minimize defect and different things. So that's the positive impact. But of course, Mycolot you will send, but under you will still have a lot of coffees under 80 points on the on the border, mm, mm. which FAF uh, and all they run for that. Felipe and all uh, with different. Uh, if it's Mycolot, it's under the farmer's name. If it's not, they try to clean it in the maximum as they can. And they do major bubblings, as they call, to protect uh, the different farms and the weavers, and and uh, with a, another perspective and an idea for the farmers too. And so f it's not totally the, it's their work because the, the quality is higher. It would be better than any Santos uh, coffees <laughs> you could find, but uh, it's still some some volume. So they they succeed to position themselves pretty strongly. And I think Costa Rica is pretty strong for that. So mm. they, they succeed their micro revolution and put uh, some farms as superstar farms worldwide. Yeah, Booked sure, in sure. advance, two years in advance. So even if it's lower in quality just by the name, mm. they will sell. Mm. <laughs> That's good. That's good to see. In Brazil, it's changing also. You see farmers exchanging coffees and like uh, winemakers when they meet each other. And it's, they share information and say, oh, yeah, I've been trying to practice that. I've been playing with the, uh, with the fermentation temperature to this level, etc., etc. So you see a little bit more sharing. Should be the same also for the, the roster, mm. which is happening. It took some time uh, before mm. we mm. start to have more roster forums and different things. Where, because before, everybody wanted to keep their secrets. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, st still in some ways as, as, as well, right? I mean, it depends yes. on where you are, right? Yeah. Um, let, let's go in and focus a bit about on the roasting thing, right? So mm -hmm. we start on a, was that a 12 kilo probat? Yes. More, yeah, Pimped, kilo change. Yeah. I changed a, change a couple of things on the 12. To be able to control the, the, yeah, the speed of the fan, the, the drum, sure. and everything. Yeah. Okay. But it was, it's like uh, buying an old car. Yeah. So now I will never feel like buying an old, um, maybe UG20 for fun, but an old, uh, <laughs> an old roaster. Because mm. it's, it's, it's fun at the beginning, but it's very expensive on the long term. It is, it yeah. is. That's why you end up buying a lawyer. And uh, yeah. very soon, very soon, uh, Diedrich. Oh, yeah? Yes. Very yeah. cool. I'm going to, to the buy 35? a nice one. Uh, the 20? And, and have uh, some talks, we see, between the 35 and the 70. Ah, but bigger, wow. Yeah, maybe the year. Okay. We see. We see next year. I mean, the bigger, <laughs> the, bigger the better, machine-wise. Uh, for the, yeah, the inner fee of mm. uh, the mass, yeah, it's mm. much better, yes. of course, as you get lower. Gets more sustainable. So if you open the door, you see yeah, your temperature drop. You're more consistent, for sure. Yes. Way more uniform and roasting. More uniform. I'm roasting on the one kg still in coutume. <laughs> you could see. I have to lock down the, the door. I wait until all the, everyone is gone. Yeah. To have consistency, or, or just by people passing nearby, you see temperature mm. getting mm. crazy. Mm. Right. So, so so probat lowering gauges, right? There's a lot of different machines. No? Mm. What is the what drives you to, I mean, it, it takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of time, it mm -hmm. takes a lot of money to jump in between different roast models, right? Yes. It's not easy. It's a learning curve every single time, right? Mm -hmm. What is, uh, why, why in the world are you going through that process? To change points yeah. and uh, roasting style, yeah. but it's always a discovery also. Yeah, sure. They all, all the, 
the coffee roaster have their pros and cons. Yeah. Like you, you've been tasting loin, mm. it's much more sharper, mm. cleaner. Um, with the drum roaster, you will get sometimes a little bit more uh, body, sometimes yeah. some oil also, some, sure. some off flavor. That but a better structure is really coffee. It's better structure yeah. sometimes, and if anything, more comfortable. Mm. And uh, I like sharp, also clean, <laughs> clean coffees. Mm. So my, yeah, my idea will be to keep both. Yes. To I, I've always personally wanted to do that as well. Yes. I believe George Howell does that in Boston, right? Mm -hmm. He has a, an Uji and a, and a Loring. Probably, yeah. Exactly, he could have yeah. some fun. And you yeah. could express uh, the coffee differently. Yeah. That's magic. He, st he so still, I think, refuses to roast his Kenyan coffee on a Loring. He says that's impossible. Scandinavian coffee? No, no, uh, the George Howell in, in, in Boston. He, yeah. doesn't, he's, he claims you can't roast a Kenyan coffee on a Loring. So he always puts on a probe. Yeah, yeah, like strictly, which which I, I respect. I mean, I think that's really interesting. But it's good if yeah. it's uh, if it's well, it's way of seeing the Kenyan's coffee, of course. Yeah, yeah. sure. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's especially coffee roasting is so much about exploring, uh, just exploring and learning, right? In that sense, and there's no better way in understanding roasting coffee uh, than actually changing in between machines because yeah. it's build up your portfolio, right? I felt that big time from, from moving myself from Loring to Diderich and Probats and Giesens and back to Loring. Yes. And, and uh, you learn more. As mm -hmm. you say, there is, there's pros and cons. There's, there's no machine that does all coffees um, in the best way. That's it. Right now, no. no. I think it will exist maybe in a few years. We see how they Would, you, would you wanna? I'm, so I'm I, I, there will be, yeah, the, the magic, magical roster will be to control all different uh, energy sources. And, uh, are we are we good at, are we good enough roasters to be able to do that? To have uh, full to have control a on the radiation yeah. and you could do, control do we the understand roasting good enough for that? Well, I think you will. Uh, uh, people are playing a lot with uh, drum speed, mm. yeah, fan speed, mm. and so sometimes they get even confused by too too many variables. I get confused. They they, they, they mix into different variables. So of course, if you increase your your drum speed, uh, you change your airflow. So you have to think about that. Yeah, so and it's just uh, the beam probe reading yeah. and changing, you know, like everything, right? Yeah, it's 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 fun to to have so much flexibility mm. like with the with the roster yeah. and to go and and understand a little bit more. But we need to understand more about the green yeah. itself yeah. and the fermentation. Yeah. Fermentation right now is a big game. Mm. For me, it's uh, still uh, rough. I'm trying to decide what I how I feel about fermentation, right? So. Fermentation from a farm level, which, which I think both of us saw in Brazil big mm -hmm. time now, is that it's amazing for most farmers because what they do, uh, a lot of it, I mean, if you look at World Brewers Championship, it's about fermenting to really score as, as possibly high as you can. Mm -hmm. If you look at farm level, uh, right now the most interesting part is how do I take a coffee that maybe scores 80 and put that up to 85 mm -hmm. using fermentation, right? That's the biggest thing that I personally at least took took with me from Brazil, mm -hmm. um, alongside some like passion fruit fermentation, onion fermentation, <laughs> a lot of like really Tangerine interesting things, right? But what what do you feel about that? Because I sometimes, and I know that's a bit pretentious, but I find a risk in what's happening from a fermentation perspective now, as in farmers are moving into an excessive amount of fermentation to cater a much faster growing market than ours being the Asian market. Mm. So I'm thinking 10 years from now, will any farmer make coffee the way that I want them to make coffee? 
There will be always uh, different ideas. I think it's a trend, but uh, the, the farmers don't really speak too much with each other about their experiments. So everybody's doing their own experiments in, the, in different temperatures, different time, anaerobic, aerobic. But um, yeah, the Asian market love it because it's different. It's a story. Um, in Asia, you could have uh, use of uh, coffee also for gifts. So if you give something special, and if, even if it tastes like um, goat cheese or <laughs> what dirty, 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 dirty things, or um, like over-fermented uh, flavor and going almost to vinegar, um, yeah, it's special. It's wake you up. It doesn't taste like yeah. normal coffee. So yeah. they, it would be a, a game, enfin, a possibility for them to cut. The, the image of coffee with something really, really highly special made by the farmer who did this crazy uh, ma uh, carbonic maceration like uh, winemakers. And uh, the only uh, thing it's unfortunately, it's like uh, carbonic maceration in natural wine. They all taste the same. Taste, yeah. I taste one from California, one from Chile, one from France. Yeah, it's fruit juice. You don't, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, yeah. Okay, it's nice, but you taste uh, the, the stein, it's exactly the same style worldwide. The terroir is gone. And the terroir uh, is totally gone. You, you don't know where process. it comes from. I had, yeah. the, I had the same thing in the World Brewers. I, I felt mm -hmm. that as well. Um, that's, that's like, first, first you try it, and you're like, wow, that's amazing. Mm. And then, as you say, you try from different countries, and it's like, wow, it all tastes the same. Yeah, Isn't that boring? Every time that you taste always this um, like autumn chestnut uh, flavor or um, bubblegum sometimes, it's really bubblegum. And I think in nap, he caps the, the, the expression of the cup. It's really heavy on the, on the cup itself. And yeah, it's, it's getting boring really quickly. Sure. After tasting one, two, three, and say, okay, I'm tasting the fermentation. Mm. Like um, you don't want anymore to taste the roast also. So you don't want to taste also just the fermentation, you want to taste how the fermentation could really shine and express the coffee. Sometimes the, um, the fermentation, I think, uh, for example, some beautiful Gucci naturals were just on the edge, and, uh, but the floral just pop, pop, pops out and the fruitiness is explosive and you think, okay, it's really jammy and it's on the edge of having like overripe cherry or a ripe uh, strawberry, but uh, it's still opening the, the cup and mm. lifting some, uh, some aroma. And then you say, yeah, that's, yeah, that's exciting. There's, you could feel the terroir and the style. And yeah, it would be a phase. If we understand a little bit more about uh, fermentation and temperature and altitude, the good things for Brazil, yeah, it brings some points higher. Yeah, and, sure. <laughs> and density also. The higher density to, mm. to the beam. So my my question is from from a more from a um, not commercial perspective, but from a from a production perspective as a roaster, mm -hmm. right? So my question is, okay, let's buy. Let's say I buy two tons of that coffee. Mm -hmm. Will that coffee be stable? Probably not. <laughs> it will get even more fermented. Uh, I noticed that uh, some naturals cool. Yeah, it's always the same same question: how it's been processed. It's been drying fast, it's been above 40 degrees, and it's been deteriorated. Is the enzymatic degradation started or not? You will discover that uh, on the way. Um, yes, you, you have to inquire more how the coffee was made. But um, yeah, some natural keep for a longer time. 
And I think some uh, natural who are a little bit over fermented will go way further, <laughs> way further. And that's when they start to burn your tool. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's funny because we're speaking about that with uh, some old uh, importers one day, and for them it's it's just a defect. Mm -hmm. so they, they consider uh, fermentation notes as over fermented defect, defective. So they, they won't buy this kind of. Uh, Mm. type of Ethiopian or different uh, coffees. I mean, I have a, a, a farmer we work with now for, for, for quite some years in Costa Rica, and mm. um, I'm buying um, a, a washed, processed version of, of a Katura varietal that he makes. Mm. And uh, the interesting thing is that he sells the same Katura in a natural processed version. Mm -hmm. He never did natural copies. He only does this because he has Asian buyers that are asking for it, right? Mm. And I cup that natural coffee and I score it way below 80 because of some very clearly over fermented stuff. Right? Ooh. Uh, oof. <laughs> I mean in, in an intense kind of way but then mm. we have these buyers coming in and if you look at what they're putting on their websites for example it's like 92, 93. Right. Nothing wrong with that and I mean it's amazing that the farmer can... I just cup a coffee uh, today from uh, a roaster, a European roaster, I won't tell his name but uh, it was written 90.5 90 coffee and he, he kept uh, just fermented flavor, mm. I think. Mm. It's a bit really, really um, over-fermented uh, strawberry. It's been left over for, for some days. And, uh, and he, go, he, got, he killed the sweetness sometimes also, and uh, short the cup uh, most of mm. the time. So you have the cup, so how could you score that? That was the dilemma last year for the Cup of Excellence with uh, Enrico Stopper coffees, who tasted like um, strawberry yogurt with gorgonzola coffee, <laughs> flavor. So how do you score gorgonzola? <laughs> no, not. Yeah. Some, um, um, some judge and scored 97. And some judge, of course, scored 78. So they had to talk with each other. So for them, it was the most incredible coffee in the world. And the other said, oh, this is um, it's not possible. It's defect, guys. And so the, they were a massive debate about it. And he won the Cup of Excellence at the end. Because they were um, a lot of Asians scoring high, except uh, Kentaro Muyama, who just put the score down, and had to put his score higher to be uniform with, with the judge panel. But that's, that will be a lot of conversation. We went with uh, Felipe. Um, to see some uh, farmers who did a 60 days uh, uh, natural under like plastic uh, shade and, mm -hmm. and uh, it was smelling like really manure, very strong. And he said, yeah, we're going to make a coffee. And I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> so so we, we start to make a coffee. Um, Felipe tasted it, I saw his face. And we were with two roasters also from, uh, from Europe. And uh, I saw his face, he looked at me, he said, what do you think about that? I tasted it, oof, oh yeah, yes, fermentation and to the highest level. And But the two other um, roasters loved it. Sure. And said, could we buy it straight away? And I said, okay, there is a market for it. And $50 a pound and then you go for yeah, it. Yeah, so we, I think we passed in the, when there were a little bit of fermentation, it was this natural and nicely processed to now, okay, let's push the maximum as we can, and mm. yeah, that was, 
it would be in debate for years. Sure, but I mean, the, the diversifying the green coffee market is only a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's yeah, good for the put, farmers. Put the spot on the farmers. Yeah, yeah definitely. Sure. Show that the farmers are doing something special. Yeah. That's important. They are special. Mm. We are all special, but uh, <laughs> they are special. Versus. We are so all so special. <laughs> yes. That is true. Let's, let's switch yeah. gear a bit. Otherwise, we're going to be here for, for several hours, which yes, we could be. So. But we, we could. need to drink wine. We uh, <laughs> talk more. Exactly. No. Yes. But, um, off, off mic. You have a roastery and a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. You have one place. Today, you have a lot more than one place. Yes. Plus, you've been basically expanding into a new country. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. with even more plans of expanding, right? Yes. Um, next year. Why? How? Why do you move from this one? Was that always a plan? That's um, it's it's much more. That's the, the beautiful things when you you work with about really a passionate product and, and when you are passionate about what you are doing, working in specialty, you meet other person who mm. you talk with in an artistic way or project way, and they, there is some things who you think here yeah, they will be always uh, making a good embassy for cof good coffee and make it much more a general thing. It should be more accessible to everyone, I think, to a different location where you could get. In Paris, my hope is that all the district will be taken over by nice and good coffee shops. We still have a lot of um, empty districts where nobody is. Yeah, and sure. so we need to have an expansion like it became normal. I think we are really on the phase of, um, there were different uh, phase in coffee, like the Turkish coffee shops, where the Oriental, which was the beginning, and then uh, came over slowly and took over. It was until the 60s. Now it's coming back a little bit. We have an hybrid coffee in Paris, which is good. And, uh, and you had these espresso bars, train station, drink your shot quickly and go out. And then now there's the coffee shops. Take your time. It's specialized on coffee higher quality coffees, normally. And, and, uh, <laughs> and that would be uh, the next, uh, yeah, next um, mutation. Cafe would mutate, and cafe would think about more about their quality. You need to be a massive wave, slowly. And I think uh, that's exciting also to, to be part of that in other countries. We choose not the easiest countries. Huh? We could open in London. <laughs> we go in, uh, in Japan, Tokyo. Mm. <laughs> we go in Geneva. We get rid of challenge. So mm. Mm. Geneva? What happened in Geneva? Uh, we, we open a coffee shop also. And we, dis we distribute Seneso. Also, that's always been part of our um, uh, skills. And um, main is to provide different uh, coffee services. Mm. So we have we are distributor for Seneso and distributor also uh, we work with uh, La Marzocco, Kess, Van der Westen, some Malcony, etc. etc. And, and so in Geneva we start with um, he was working for Couture back in the day and he, he moved to Geneva. He had a good friend over there and he said, Yeah guys, I really want to start. There is it's very difficult to have a good coffee in, in Geneva. Um, I really want to start uh, in Geneva. So we had talks, we take times, and also he wanted to start to work with the restaurant because there's a lot of restaurants who need uh, good coffee, good equipment, etc. So it's, it's going well. It's been, Geneva is not uh, like Paris. Huh? 
no. Paris, if it's new, if everybody wants to know, everyone to visit, uh, Genoa is the contrary. So if it's not on the news, on the newspaper, on, on the news, they will be very careful. They are more conservative <laughs> for that. As a, as, a, as a business owner, mm -hmm. the, the, the first time you move outside of Paris, yeah. uh, outside of France, how did that feel? Well, was, that a, was that a long, difficult decision? Or were you too excited to overthink it and you just went for it? Because the way that I see it is that then you're, a part of you is losing a bit of control, right? You have to, because you can't be everywhere. Yes, that's always uh, the tricky, but yeah, it's uh, also, also in your company, every coffee shop owner that I know in the world uh, always had one or two issues with some staff on different things, different talks, um, bad talks from the staff on different things. And, and when you come back, it's not exactly the way that you, you wanted the, the coffee to be served, or well, people aren't, sm aren't smiley enough. But uh, it, it takes time to, <laughs> to understand also um, how to build up a better team relations, I think, between, between everyone, more trust. Uh, and overseas is the same. So you, you will build up trust and your team and your philosophy and it takes over. I always wanted to expand, to sell more coffee, to buy more green. Mm. My idea is, uh, I think you do a better impact if you could uh, if you could buy a yeah, larger quantity of coffee definitely per, con per countries yeah. Mm. I think that's very important I mean, that's something that and there, there's so many people on this podcast have been saying that as well so mm -hmm. Stephen Layton says, uh, says the same Jess Hoffman says the same Tim Endable says the same I mean it, it comes down to the fact that if we want to be sustainable and make a difference we need to get bigger yes definitely. on a green coffee level yeah, yeah. because if, if you've seen all these uh, farmers who are putting hard effort to produce microlots and beautiful coffees. And, and you come over and say, yeah, I've got my coffee shop uh, in Paris. I would like to buy uh, um, 10 bags. And mm. the guy says, OK, mm. I've got 800 bags out there. Could you do something about that? Do you have friends? To, uh, you, you need to be able to, to buy a little bit more and, or do purchase groups or different things to make an impact, like a proper social impact. Mm. Yeah. And help them also to not uh, be frustrated because they have a couple of buyers, but they are so tiny that they can't do much, and they have to go back to the same faces that they see all the time. We say, "No, your coffee is not that good. And make it yeah, it's slightly sure, cheaper for yeah. me. Cheaper, um, buy less, buy different. I mean, it's, a, it's mm. a, again for, for me, it's such a, a mystery the detachment from what we communicate towards our." customers, clients, mm. versus what we're actually doing. Yes. Uh, and uh, there's very, very few companies um, that are actually l living or acting, especially coffee, the way that it's pitched. They mm -hmm. are some of them, of course, and you guys are one of them. Um, but I mean, even April, I mean, if, if I look at April, it, it's, we're too tiny to do specialty coffee, mm. if that makes sense, right? Uh, if you, if you move away from the fact that specialty coffee is, is, I mean, it can't be about the quality of the cup. We have to move away from that, right? We, we the, of course, the goal should be to make the tastiest coffee you can because that's fun. Yes, that's what we're focusing you on. You want right? the highest quality. Cups. Yes, but then reality is, I mean, an average farm, if you look at their their top quality production, what that's four or five percent of what they produce, maybe. D depending on the countries, right? Depending on the country, depending on the one acres to yeah. two hundred acres. Yeah. But uh, yet, in in general, it doesn't. Uh, you need. Uh, 
Yeah, if you, if you come to a country and you have just in your head to buy um, 20 bags or 40 bags, you, you need to think about how you are going to buy it. Uh, can you ship it direct and could you, could you use um, an exporter to ship it and is not taking control on what you are doing? That's possible also. Mm. And I think it will develop a little bit more in the future. Mm, mm. And that was the beginning of uh, specialty coffee even in the US, mm. back in the days before Australia, before this uh, whole movement. Uh, it was the first reaction going small roasters, going crossing the borders and, and going to Central America, buying direct and coming back <laughs> with our coffees, or finding ways uh, to ship their coffee by different guys, etc. We should go back to this kind of uh, source of ideas. Mm. Yeah, if, um, if you are using uh, yeah, and, and like a third person in between, be sure that you represent well the interests of the farmers. That is really, I would trust more somebody who is already a producer, who is already on the ground. So that you, you will know that uh, at least uh, you could talk with him and he could make you having a communication with the farmers. Because the third person can do that. Mm. They should. They can do that. They could present you the farmer that you are going to buy the coffee from, even if you are buying three bags of coffee. Yeah, you could interact. And, but sometimes, it's, so if it's really, really business wise and the trust is not there, they don't want to do that because they will, they will be scared yeah, to sure. you, uh, for you to buy directly from the farmer. Mm. Nobody should be scared because mm. if it's an honest relation, so there is no problem. You're, sure. you're representing them, you do the marketing, the sales, and, and you have a good interest, and the farmers get even more money. It's a, it's a win-win, good win-win situation. Mm. But so it's, it's um, what we need to think about when we are going to buy some coffee as a roaster. Okay, you show me a nice picture and you said this guy and the coffee is great in the cup, but uh, can, uh, can I interact with uh, this farmer? Mm. Yeah, I want to know more personally. Maybe you become friends. Mm. have farmers coming to Coutume and they suddenly they pop, pop in and <laughs> they, come, they come with all the families and 10 guys. We did, um, I remember, with the Monte Copay, uh, with Navarro family, mm. uh, we did their roast, uh, they roast their own coffee in Paris. That was, uh, that's the best and fun experience. Even if you're buying two, two bags or three bags and you talk uh, with these guys and, um, in Spanish if you can, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, then maybe they will come to visit you in Copenhagen or mm. Berlin or anywhere. I mean, it's, cool. it's, it's an exciting time now. It's a time mm -hmm. where, where you actually can do that. It's, it's uh, yeah. again, referencing so, to... Social networks, uh, yeah. it's crazy. I receive so many messages by Messenger, Facebook. All the farmers it's, are it's on Facebook. Yeah. Facebook, Instagram, non-stop. <laughs> but one of our, our most um, um, stable relationships and, and, and a farmer that is also on this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Alejo uh, from Volcan in, in in Costa Rica. So he's a fifth generation farmer and he explained how they started to trade their coffees, right? Where they were basically um, more, more or less traveling. It took them two months by boats around the Pacific to oh. England to be able to sell their coffee, right? And then sell their coffee in two, two months in, in from, from London, and then you took the boat two months back. <laughs> so like six wow. months a year, that's what you would do. I mean, this is 
Every year? Very long time ago. Every okay. year. That's Every how year you train, right? And today it's like, hi, like, who you call him on WhatsApp? <laughs> like, yes. how are you? Um, <laughs> What's happening? Uh, you, you could even also airlift. It's not really carbon friendly. No. But, <laughs> but you could. Yeah, you could, sure. you could airlift. It's, a, it's an amazing opportunity. You know, it's an amazing time to be in, mm. be in coffee. If you, and the, the consumer is understanding more and more mm. about it and they, they start to see the value. Mm. I think the coffee shop owner need to see the value also. Because when they start to ask their roastery, could you find me a coffee for $14? It's not specialty coffee. It's not possible. So guys, uh, yeah, it's, uh, see your margin on the cups. Don't be greedy. Mm. And uh, think yet you're going to put the face of a producer, but what you're doing is not specialty coffee. Mm. Mm. You have to uh, we put yourself. And a lot of uh, roasters have been, like in, in, in Melbourne, it's crazy. There's more than 350 small roasters now. Yeah. Hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of cafes. So they feel uh, the young generation of the new new coming over want to attack the market and uh, have cheaper coffees and yeah of course and uh, have a nice marketing and buy just a little bit of geisha to show that um, they, they have some good coffee. But now it, it, the cafe owners also are pressuring a little bit the roster to lower their price, lower their price. And it's not uh, an healthy relation because mm. the their margin is quite. It's quite honest. Huh? Still, uh, the highest margin in the cup. Yeah, well, for the farmers, it's not the same margin most of the time. Of course not, though. Mm. So, um, yeah, the I think the, the market need to transcend the old rules and not just do something a little bit different than the commodity market. So we, we really need to come back to transcend, and it's normal. It's a, it's a growing market, so everyone is interested about it. You see the major groups are doing some acquisition all over mm. the place. Mm. And so if you want to tra tra transcend a little bit that, you have to think differently. Get I mean, a, a, a sustainable farm situation is a situation where the farmer can sell all of their coffee um, regardless um, of the commercial coffee market price, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a farmer that is, is not subjective to what's happening on the commercial market, right? Absolutely. So that's what we need mm -hmm. to see, right? The question is how we how we create that, right? Which, which mm -hmm. could be a mystery, right? But um, uh, value by um, that people are using the fermentation for that also value, but what the farmer have as special and what he's been working on uh, the the different. Uh, yeah, plantations are going to move also to bringing back some old typicals and bringing back some interesting yeah, <laughs> coffees in, in, uh, in the plantations mm. and that need to happen also because uh, if you drink uh, some catimor all the time, some catoir, it could get uh, difficult to, for the farmers to show that they are doing something different. Mm. So I think that's the way, work for the farmers to work a little bit more in the environment and do more permaculture, more crazy cups, etc. And everybody wants to buy it. Like uh, the guys from uh, Genevis, small producer in Costa Rica, and everybody wants to buy his coffee. He's producing almost nothing, uh, 60 to 80 bags <laughs> a year. But it's booked two years in advance. Yeah. Because we found some Christopher varieties and different, uh, different things. And so he, he, he don't have to do anything. People want to buy his coffee. So I think if the farmers stand to 
mm -hmm. to their ideas and really feel empowered. It's what we we need to make them feel. So we have to push this uh, feeling to empower the, the control farms and we respect them. Mm. Like mm. with uh, an honest, trustful relation and sustainable also. Mm. Not, oh yeah, I've got this beautiful canyon, but next year, oh yeah, now I've got another one. <laughs> and uh, next year, <laughs> yeah, I've got another one. What's happened to the Kemongi? Oh yeah, but yeah, it was good, but yeah, we've got uh, Maori and then <laughs> we have <laughs> another thing. Okay. Mm. <laughs> and we are great and they do a great job, etc. And so, so we just to yeah, just be think for the French it's, it's easy. Think like uh, natural wine movements in France. Like um, the, the farmers are coming over, tiny uh, new generation changing the rules totally. Uh, playing with the fermentation in good ways or bad ways sometimes <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> There's some beautiful ones and Somewhere, yeah, experimental vinegar. Mm. Uh, <coughs> so it's it's the same way, but they have the energy and they know that um, they are artisan, they are producer, and they, they come and they really prone and say, yeah, I've got this uh, crazy uh, Cabernet Franc and I did uh, this type of uh, uh, maceration, etc., etc. And and you, you say, okay, wow, um, I would like to taste. It. I'm really interested. And how much? Do you, how many do you have? Say so for me, yeah, the white price is that because I don't have much. And we, it's my biggest project for the next year until uh, my retirement. I think that will take some time. It's to understand the, the full cost on the ground for each country, region, and all, all the coffees that I'm buying the coffee from. Mm. So, uh, is the, for example, the cost of production is pretty high. In Brazil, if you want to do hand picking because to employ somebody, it could be expensive. But in the same time, some other tax are not that high. Mm. The cost of living is not as high as Ethiopia. Mm. The tax in Ethiopia are higher, but the cost of production is lower. So if I could understand the social dynamics, that would be the best. Like I could have an idea, and I know how. Um, uh, work with the farmers also in a transparent way and they, they could be honest and say yeah I produced less this year so yeah all my coffees are uh, one dollar higher mm. okay we should accept that instead of yeah what you could make uh, 10 cents uh, lower <laughs> than that and he will go he will make uh, this industry make him a little bit more healthy on on the specialty coffee mm. vision yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely, um, yeah. and I, I think that that's, that's an amazing way to wrap this up as well. I mean, it's it's um, one last thing, and I always say the one last thing, and then we talk like thirty minutes more. But <laughs> why why is green? Co I mean, I I I think I understand it, but I'm still curious because there's there's people that say they are interested in green coffee. There are people that say they want to do things. I'm, I'm one of them, but then there's people like you that actually do things, and you're involved in green coffee on a very complex and deep level mm. it seems to be I where, where to does that come from i want to go deeper into this uh, this level mm. i think but I why, why is that i mean i can understand why it's important mm. but what switched that for you i mean why why is that so important for you because i think even on fine in general philosophy you you 
I don't know. It's uh, it's been part of my education, I think. My point being, always, I always respected and I have friends winemakers who sure. I won't treat them like shit and try to buy their wines uh, <laughs> at cheaper price right. <laughs> for me. And 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 yeah, the, the things, the first things who shocked me when and I was in Australia before specialty coffee arrived. I think it was this burst of specialty coffee in in, in Melbourne where everybody felt like wow, that was the most amazing new things coming out from the old vision of uh, uh, Mizor Nuggets, uh, India, and, and different uh, breakfast blends and stuff like that <laughs> who were in place back, uh, back in the days. And even the first world championship were funny mm -hmm. also. Oh, uh, the coffee we are used over there, that's, you have to refund this uh, um, old <laughs> um, shootings and video. So, and because of this philosophy, everybody was like, wow, we've got really something dynamic, exciting, and, mm -hmm. and uh, it's better than uh, fair trade, and we go further, and, and, and now you think, yeah, it, it went so far than fair trade. Uh, so, and everybody was so excited and passionate about, yeah, we are having this new specialty coffee philosophy coming over. And now it's okay. Uh, Nestle could buy me. Okay, I could make some money. <laughs> so they, we are in an interesting time where um, larger groups bought for crazy amounts of money some uh, other um, coffee brands and everything. And uh, so the and big big blends came over, came back. Dark horse, big blends like in the mm. 80s. It's com coming back on, on fashion. And so you, you, uh, for me, the, it's quality control for my company, but also I have to keep what I thought about specialty coffee back in the days. Keep this philosophy, keep this philosophy alive, and we just need to reinvent specialty coffee. Transcend, be more sustainable, be more taking care of uh, sustainability in general, also on the, on the farmers, like um, uh, this year we, we spoke with Felipe with some ladies we met in Capalao who are starting to join with each other and they, they are doing really great improvements since last year. Uh, they, they have a lack of uh, equipment so I'm putting uh, on the price, on the top of the price, not at a crazy amount but $4,000 in general uh, to restart some uh, beds because it's really, really what they need. Uh, it's really wet and a lot of moisture, and so they need a covered uh, bed to dry better. But also uh, start to bring an agronomist and start to convert the valley in organic, um, organic uh, philosophy and organic uh, yeah, plantation. It's, uh, it takes some time. So I think quality needs to be in all the, all the way. And I've seen that even with farmers doing a little bit more uh, forest, wild forest, or taking care of the environment, so like FAF and all the groups of organic producers getting further. Get, they get, uh, even in the curb, it's getting much more complex and crazier than, than the chemical. I think Felipe did a talk about that in Stockholm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you, you could taste it and say, you don't need to play that weird six, six time, six step fermentation. You could just uh, <laughs> plants, uh, think about your canopy, think about uh, what you are feeding your plants with, 
That's it. Just the, the basic. <laughs> Come back to the basic. Find some uh, cash crop also. Don't be just blocked with coffee. That was a gringo idea a long time ago. Just plant coffee and nothing else. But coffee is made to, to be uh, inside of a canopy mm. with different level of vegetation. Five, six level of vegetation. You could play with some paper, mm. you could play with different things going inside of your coffee plantations. Yes. That's uh, what keeps me inspired and keeps me passionate about what's happening right now. So growing, it's part of the strategy of being able also to make an impact for a longer term. And have a, yeah, be proud and, <laughs> and retired. And I won't say I'm, I'm going to be a farmer. I think that uh, it's, it's really, really difficult. I had some proposition in different countries to start mm -hmm. a farm. But if I, if I become a farmer, I will be a farmer. So we'll stay at the farm. You have to be there every day. Mm. You have to work uh, with the, with your team on the ground, and you have to be there all the time. That's another project. But, uh, I will help out <laughs> the farmers. It's much more um, nicer and easier. Like, uh, for example, uh, in your podcast, if you know some people interested by Congo, nice Congo coffees, yes, send a message. Yeah, I've got, I'll, I'll uh, I've got some farmers who are we, we that happen, sure. They are really looking for uh, some connection. Yeah, they are looking just. For I, I wrote to some some for the first time I think last year for mm -hmm. North Kivu. Uh, mm -hmm. I cooperated there, and uh, that was super cool. Yes, that was so good. It was so much better than what I would, would ever kind of expect. Definitely, uh, the, the surprising cups was wow, these elegant cups that they could get have from the south of Kivu was so floral, so tea-like, yeah. and was magic, clean. So I said, wow. So, oh, how am I going to get this coffee <laughs> back in Paris? <laughs> That's the most difficult part. That's like, the most uh, difficult part. Yeah, yeah the, and the, they, they have a competition now, Saveur du Kivu, who is becoming more and more popular, I think. And uh, even with the Saveur du Kivu competition, it's hard for them to have uh, a right price on this mm. uh, type of coffee. Mm. Because uh, they are far, so it's easy to buy for lower. <laughs> Lower price. Um, yes, yeah, it's been a great talk. Also, yeah, amazing. I mean, it's, it's it's totally, I'm, I'm just sitting here and I'm, I'm, I'm losing yeah. track of time. Yes. Um, thank you very much. I mean, this been this been. Um, I learned a lot from this, mm -hmm. which is why I do this podcast because I just want to steal stuff from people. <laughs> no. I mean, I want to. I, I know that no. April. I mean, April is. Um, kind of bullshit when it comes to specialty coffee, right? Because we, mm. we don't make any difference. Uh, I mean, we, we, we buy coffee the way, sure I buy from the same farmers, but I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's frustrating to realize how, especially after talking with you, how little understanding I have about this, mm. uh, where we need to be a lot better at, at what we do from a green coffee perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean. Um, I think it's a general thing worldwide. Huh? It's not just uh, in, in France or in other countries, even on the most advanced coffee uh, countries on specialty coffee, mm. it's uh, what is how to rank quality. Also. Mm. That's um, that's always the question. Mm. Was, uh, I don't know if we spoke about it. It's like uh, you come with a, a Japanese whiskey I did uh, in Indonesia once, and it was oh wow, everybody was, oh, just came back from Japan. They were oh, that's going to be amazing um, in the middle of uh, the forest, and. And the people knew already 
met some Nika whiskey. Mm. It's mm. crazy. Yeah. Um, but in coffee, it's still complex. For tea, for example, you say, yeah, I've got this Earl Grey for Nana, and some people, oh, wow. and from this producer. And they have an image of tea as high quality product already, even if, if it's not. And some the, there is some different quality. But for coffee, if you say, what is a really amazing coffee? Really great coffee. Really good? Good? Not so good? <laughs> really bad? We have a difficulty to rank it and the consumer are totally lost. Right now, mm -hmm. it's Geisha. Geisha is it working. It's, it's, uh, people are pissed off against Geisha because you hear Geisha all the time and you see the world competition with so many geishas. But in the same time, it's better than what we had on the Blue Mountain, mm. the work and oh, the different sure. ideas. Because you have to think about the consumer also. Yeah. So suddenly, there is, um, there is this geisha mythology around it, and they taste it. And it's, well, depends on the geisha, but most, most of the time, it's really incredible. It's mm. a really a nice tasting experience which we don't have with the copywork, for example. <laughs> you won't say, wow, you say, what, what? what? <laughs> so there won't be the same reaction. And uh, we, we need this kind of uh, superstar farmers. We need this uh, superstar story cups and different things to, uh, to start to rank and in the consumer mind worldwide. So that's one of uh, another project that I'm preparing. I mean, we, we, we're going to have to have podcast session two yes. and three and four and five. Maybe mm -hmm. we just do a, uh, we're going to do a separate podcast, which is Antoine and Kutum saving, re redefining specialty coffee, which is what we should do. Right. I mean, I think that's the coolest thing I heard in a long time. Mm -hmm. And it brings, brings back a bit of hope for this industry as well, because sometimes I, I lose that. Yeah, yeah we, there, there is a lot of excitement to keep in, sure. in, in this, in this uh, industry and this coffee worldwide, I think. Yeah, could get, uh, and that's the, what I loved in coffee. Mm. It's always a uh, new discovery. Coffee mm. from Yemen. When I started to roast, uh, yeah, it's, uh, 15 years, uh, 20, from 10 years ago, um, even more, so my, I, I started to learn about the story and how the coffee was shipped out of uh, Ethiopia and started to be planted in Yemen and then went to India and went, and you think, okay, I want to taste that. <laughs> I want to taste all these coffees all the way. So they have these rare things we, which we don't have in the wine because of uh, Fuxera and the disease just killing the old uh, mm. cepage. I was like, wow, I want to taste them. And, and uh, when I arrived in Kutum, I was thinking, uh, okay, let's do the road of coffee. Let's buy some coffee from Ethiopia, from Yemen, etc. I tasted some Yemen, it was terrible. And the cup was <laughs> over fermented and really rough. Mm. Uh, and I was like, oh God, uh, no, I'm not going to buy it for marketing purposes. No, no way. No, I just want to buy good coffee, great coffees. I don't want to have this. Uh, yeah, this is for me. Man. Oh, it tastes. Yeah. <laughs> like the copy of work ideas, mm. marketing coffees. Uh, and suddenly, there is a great guy, uh, Mokhtar, who. Yeah, is a, it, come over in Whiskey's life and go over there. And so now he's becoming a coffee superstar. Mm. He has some people jealous, but it's good. It's good to put uh, suddenly on the spot some uh, farmers and bring some high quality coffees. Like, like people don't like also to see um, wealthy farmers, mm. successful farmers. Mm. Why not? 
<laughs> Why not? It's good. They all should be. I mean, that's that's exactly. Yeah. So, oh no, it's prefer I prefer to uh, buy some coffee from this guy, and he's really poor. Yeah, but uh, it's it's not because you, you you are buying this coffee from the farmers that the other ones who are who is really successful because he's working hard. He's mm. been working very hard to produce that mm. and to be well known that he shouldn't be rewarded. Like uh, that's something healthy that you see in Brazil, which is the number one exporter, uh, producer, sorry, no, number one producer. And you see uh, farmers becoming super, superstar. That mm. all the, the coffee shop want to buy the coffee from Clayton's. <laughs> it's the surfer, uh, surfer farmer who is doing stunning coffees, but it's not in massive quantities, yeah. so everybody wants sure. it. And yeah. So it's, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's, like like it's, 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 it's interesting because it's like, if, if, let's say, to, to, to explain this also in a coffee shop perspective, I mean, it's like if you if you know I only want to go to the coffee shops where the coffee shops are almost bankrupt, mm. and that's where I'm going to buy my coffee, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a, as back to what we mentioned before, the coffee farmer needs to be allowed to be an entrepreneur, right? Mm. There needs to be a two-way street, right, where we need to, it's about quality and it's about paying for quality, but it's mm. also about creating a relationship where, um, the, the farmer needs to perform as well, right? Because yeah. that's a combination. And human quality also. There is a sure. lot of farmers that I'm, I'm, I met and I'm still meeting, and there is some farmers that I'm, I don't feel that I want to work with him, mm. or with her, or mm. with the family. Mm. And I'm like, no, I know he's producing some, he's well known, and but no, I don't feel working with him. And you met another one, it's human. So you connect and it's, wow. Yes, and you change and you talk like that <laughs> during hours and nights and spoke about coffee and, and it's, yeah, it's connection also. Mm. And then I think as a, a coffee shop owner, you need to keep also this uh, uh, with relation with your trust relation from your roster also. Mm. And you could ask your roster where your coffee is coming from, how do you buy it? But it says, and, and we're talking way too long now, but yes. okay, so I'm going to say one last thing, which <laughs> is going to be a very long answer here anyhow. But so that's interesting though, because you mentioned a coffee shop now. Mm. And we talk about uh, buying sustainable in terms of, of committing to a farmer, right? Mm -hmm. But the challenge is still here that most roasteries, not all of them, but most of them live on actually selling their roasted coffee to someone else, right? Mm -hmm. But then we have a coffee shop world that is pitching sustainability, they're pitching traceability, they're pitching everything we do as a roaster, mm -hmm. but then they buy from 50 different roasters, yes. and they buy 100 different green coffees from each roaster. Right? Yes. So how in the world can that be, especially coffee? Yes, that's uh, <laughs> another, well, multiple roasters, coffee shops, and different things like that. Um, yeah, it's, uh, the, the roaster uh, get excited because uh, you will have Somebody in Oslo saying, I want to buy your coffee, and so you send the coffee. Uh, some are really excited to showcase different uh, vision of roasting, roasting vision, and different coffees. Maybe you have your particular relation with uh, one country, one farmer that uh, the others don't have. Um, after that, shipping coffee all over the world, is it sustainable? Coffee in, at the beginning is not uh, carbon yeah. friendly. And, uh, yeah, from uh, the coffees that we receive from all over the world. Uh, Europe is a little bit different because it's, um, it's really, really close from each other. So it's very easy to be, uh, you, you are in Paris right now, and 
come back here in Copenhagen and Berlin. Um, yes, spread the, that could challenge a little bit uh, the, the local roster. Mm -hmm. also. That could be interesting. That could be unsustainable also for the market. Um, some coffee shops use that uh, to buy cheaper coffee because mm. they will ask you to sponsor. Mm. Yeah, 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 from Copenhagen, I love April. Can you send me some coffee? <laughs> but uh, yeah, for free. <laughs> few, yeah. few kg just to, for samples. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then pass to another one, another one and buy a little bit of coffee. That could happen. Um, yes, but they need, uh, yeah, it's difficult to have. If you have a multiple roster, to have the information from all the multiple roster, it's more fashion. Like, uh, hey, I've got that. Uh, where does it come from? I don't know. I've got uh, the paper with it <laughs> to read. Yes. Mm. And now it's it's always better to be uh, close from your roster and come to visit him also, have a talk with him, and see what he's doing. If he is doing any project that you, you and, and get excited about it also. Re redefining specialty coffee based on on, on uh, personal relationships. Yes. Yeah. But it's, it's a social social world from uh, the cafe also. Yeah. Start uh, uh, to um, first make a great customer service and and work. Uh, and in Australia, I love that. For, and I think it, it needs to be more generalized. You couldn't touch the espresso machine at first, never. You mm -hmm. were not allowed to go at the espresso, you had to do service first. And then, if you see that you had a good customer relation and good customer service, you were allowed to go to do some coffee, coffee shots, and then espresso, etc. With, uh, of course, the head barista who was watching you. And, uh, and that makes the things, the experience even more special. Because, uh, yeah, you could get my hand finally on the espresso machine. But you had already, the, you knew already all the regular customers. So it was easier. And I uh, <laughs> remember first time uh, in Melbourne, I passed behind the machine. People were looking at me, and it, I never thought they would think like that. It's really Australia. Say, you are not my regular barista. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, but do you know my coffee? What do you mean? <laughs> Could you tell me your coffee? And I will try to make it closer as, as, as you love. Mm, I love it. Um, and like, during two months, people were coming back and say, I'm really sorry. Could you redo this espresso? Say, Why? It's, it's uh, too, too cold. I say, I know, yeah, you haven't drink it. <laughs> so, it's like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Could you redo one? So yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and so because you smile, you give another one. I say, yeah, and this one I have one bubble in there. <laughs> so you we make the cappuccino, and after two months, people were like, wow, thank you, thank you very much. This is delicious. That was really a delicious coffee. You are good now. You're a good guy. <laughs> okay. So this passion from the, the customer, because we are in Paris, in a <laughs> in a new market, and the people really get. Uh, Oof. Ooh, that's really strong. I did not ask for ristretto. No, that's an espresso. So yeah, it's really, could you, <laughs> could you make it bigger? So please um, mix it, have a, just for me, have a taste, and tell me if you want, I could put a little bit of hot water on the side for you. 
Or people say, I want some sugar. Why is the sugar? And you say, yeah, the sugar is inside. I trick most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's such a good answer. Yes, that's such a good answer. And I say, yeah, the coffee is already, the sugar is already there. And say, oh, yeah. And I trick it. Oh, yeah, it's sweet. Say yes. Mm. Uh, you put some sugar, but how many? I said, no, no, it's, um, it's coming from a fruit. The sugar is there, <laughs> and they get okay. Change their, their ideas. Mm. Once I had, uh, remember, like a big uh, truck driver type guy, and say, no, 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 no. Uh, French, so uh, we are pretty rude most of the time. So <laughs> rude is more direct, <laughs> like with a lack of filter sometimes. And uh, it was telling me, no, 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 I want my sugar in the morning. No, are you crazy? Said, okay, um, see, the sugar is there, just mix, have a, a little taste. And you could put as much sugar as you want after that. And there is a glass of water if you prepare. So he mix, he drink it, oh, oof, no, no way. And he put some sugar, drink it, he said, oh, oh, God. Yeah, you were, you were right. Okay, it was, it was better before. And I put some sugar, and now it tastes um, right. It's not as, as good as the first one. So he just realized that what he was thinking was just a habit, mm. like uh, from dark uh, Robusta coffees. That's the challenge <laughs> we've got every day, mm. sometimes. Mm. Um, and the, the good things, it's yeah, the fact that uh, yeah, you, you need, as a company, to be thinking also deeper, but to be recognized, that's always the best, because people will try mm. and knowing that it's going to be another experience mm. than what they have at the regular cafe. Mm. So you have, and even, um, even there, for example, in the Finnish mm. Institute, we have a lot of new people coming over. So even French tourists. <laughs> and they, so you have to just have the time to place a minimum of information, I say, even even the, the most basic ones. That's coming from Guatemala, from a small producer in Guatemala. That's it. Well, just one sentence, and you would what? Why? Why did you talk about it? You would deprogram mm -hmm. the normal drinking. And the shock, because if you expect Augusta diluted with some sugar and food to put into there, that it's, and it's concentrated, it's sweet, and poof, burst of uh, aroma and ooh, what's going on there? <laughs> like anywhere in the world, we are speaking about that with uh, Justin, Justin Mice, anywhere in the world you will have the same sentence again and again. Your coffee is really, I have to tell you, is really terrible. It's really, it's really weird. But uh, can I have another one? <laughs> that's, that's the best answer. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what you beautiful. want. Wow. We have guys over there saying, yeah, your coffee is really strange. It's, I don't know. I uh, don't know what's going on right there. You have to change your coffee. It's not possible. But uh, yeah, can I have a second one, please? And a third. And they, and they come every day. And I say, OK. But uh, <laughs> it's because it's not what they are expecting. Mm. And it's the same with the chef. We have some really chefs who are really uh, young in their mind and beautiful and they are looking and they want to experience and uh, their palette is sharp. And then you have uh, some who have their idea of coffee, which is uh, have to be really, really dark, burnt, uh, with some sugar to put on that. And they don't understand why there is all this spectrum <laughs> of flavor. 
and you, you tell, tell them that you could taste that, uh, and it's really tea-like. What? Tea? It's coffee, no? <laughs> Fun um, yeah, there was a great time. We spent how much? We, we, this is yes. officially the longest. The long. I'm, I'm just gonna say this. I'm gonna say. I talk too much, sir. No, you no. never. You, you, you never talk too much because every, you. everything you say makes sense. Um, integrity, intensity, um, integrity, passion, mm -hmm. farmer basics. You guys are gonna redefine specialty coffee. I'm gonna make sure, make sure to follow that, and I'm gonna be the first one to sign off on whatever definition you come up with. Yeah, which way? Um, I'm gonna call this end of part one because we're gonna have to do a part two. And then just say but thank you. Yeah, this has been amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to publish uh, our new green buying po policies and transparency reports. Do it. And Do it in English yeah. as well. In Not English, just in yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just saying. Yes. To all of us English Yes, I know. But I, I need to do it in French also. Yeah, of course. I mean, of course. Do it in Japanese as well. Yeah, in Japanese and in um, other languages. In yeah. Arabic soon also. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It was a pleasure. We're stopping this one. From us here at April, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thank you.